Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, guys, what is going on? Hope everybody had a good Christmas. Today is... Saturday, it's the 29th of December 2018. This year is quickly coming to a close for us. I am once again in the mobile studio. You may notice a little bit of a difference in my voice. Part of that will be because we are in the mobile studio and I'm using the iPhone and we're driving down the road. Another part of that is I am getting over... I don't know if I'd call it a cold or a a bad throat infection or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what I had, but man, I had a sore throat. I must have been on the naughty list because I started getting sick on the 24th. And uh, on Christmas Day, I had energy enough, thank goodness, to sort of be able to do some celebrations. But... By the end of the day, I was kind of down for the count. So, and uh, but I got some medicine. Hooray for living in the USA! I was able to get into the doctor. Uh, the, basically, the second day of my sickness, got in there. What's funny is, you know, if you you usually you can just sort of pop out and get whatever you want, but of course on Christmas Day, uh, there are very few things open. There are a few things here and there, but. Anyway, enough of that stuff, but I wanted to uh, give you guys a little bit of a heads up if my voice kind of cracks or breaks or uh, sounds a little oddball here and there. It maybe isn't as as uh, strong as with projection and stuff like that as I normally am. So on the last show, we had talked a little bit about some Arizona-centric stuff and about what that may mean for the country and and when we're talking about this stuff, political stuff, we're generally not talking about uh, anything other than how it would affect us in gun world and one of the things that we had talked about was that in Arizona when McCain died there was a, a vacuum Senate in that position from Arizona and the way that it works I'm I'm not sure exactly how it works in other states but in Arizona the current governor excuse me the current governor can appoint who he would like and what he did is he appointed John Kyle who was a uh, considered to be a relatively strong conservative person he had the reputation I don't uh, again a lot of times once these guys uh, step out of office they're kind of uh, lionized a little bit but anyway he had the reputation of being somebody who even though he had strong conservative views was never one of these guys that was a grand uh, excuse me a grandstander or someone who was more of uh, like an attack dog or somebody who kind of gave in to hyperbole, things like that. And again, with the recap, he said that he would basically kind of finish out this term of Congress, which normally should go till the, uh, the 31st. However, sometimes it can go uh, a little bit past if they have, if that current Congress has stuff that is uh, unfinished business, so to speak. I don't know. Anyway, so the big question was, well, who is the governor going to appoint? And there were some other stuff that we went over on last show, which I won't rehash again here. But he ended up, Governor Doug Ducey ended up, who is a Republican, ended up appointing Martha McSally. Now, Martha McSally 
lost her the the uh, the Senate race for Jeff Flake for his seat because he was basically saying I'm not going to run for re-election. You know, I uh, and he gave all these various reasons, but basically the people in Arizona would not have elected this guy again. Uh, he, I think in trying to be sort of middle of the road and in trying to be sort of a guy you know, he, he, uh, that was going to be seen as a reasoned person, he kind of came across as sort of wishy-washy, uh, kind of a do-nothing type thing. Uh, it's one thing to say, you know, I, I have these kind of principles and I, I understand that you have your principles and you know we can kind of fight it out there on the senate floor uh, but basically my principles aren't going to change I, my positions might change a little bit here and there there might be some subtle changes but basically they're going to be based on my principles and i think flake was seen as somebody who didn't have a whole lot of principles um, enough talking about him he's pretty much gone and McSally will be taking over in January. Now, we talked last time about does that appeal to Ducey's base? Does it appeal to, oh, maybe moderate Republicans or, or very, very, very middle-of-the-road Democrats? Who maybe they think, oh, I'm a Democrat, but if this person, you know, they... they it doesn't really mean all that much. Sometimes the title, and you have people that call themselves Republicans. It doesn't really mean that much. They would vote for a Democrat if if that person was shown to represent some of the the uh, the pet issues, for lack of a better word, that they have. But I do think that the appointment of McSally is going to appeal to the Republican base. And I think what's going to happen in 2020 at the end of that when her, because she, her term, quote unquote term, will be up then because she will have to, that's when uh, McCain's term was going to be up. So she'll have to run again here in a couple of years. And I don't know who she's going to run against. I, I don't think that the Republicans will put anybody up against her because they want, because especially with Kirsten Sinema in the uh, in the Senate, they are not going to want to uh, have like a big thing with the primaries. And that was they said one of the things that kind of hurt McSally this run against Sinema was that uh, she had to kind of battle out the primaries and then she couldn't really get, she didn't have as much time as Cinema did and getting her name out there, this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, is that what really happened? I don't know. But I think what we're going to see, the people that are going to want to challenge her in 2020, I think what we'll, we'll see is that the Democrats will sort of face kind of what she had to face in that uh, there is going to be uh, several candidates that are going to want to run. I think a lot of people are going to be emboldened by Cinema's oh, uh, victory over McSally, although it, you know, it was relatively you know, close. Some people might argue that, but, you know, it, again, I think she made some mistakes, and I talked about that, uh, you know, I think last time. But uh, so coming up in 2020, are, will we retain a Republican in, in, the, uh, in the Senate, or will it go over to the Democrats? from Arizona. Now, if, uh, I don't think that it will. I think that probably McSally will be able to keep it because she'll have two years of uh, a voting record. She'll be able to get out there. And I think, too, she may have learned a little bit of a lesson and maybe kind of distance herself from Trump. It's funny. Trump is such an anomaly. And uh, whether you like him, love him, hate him, you know, indifferent to him 
the one thing that you have to say is that stuff that works for him doesn't seem to be able to work for other people. And other, other politicians don't seem to realize that. And so you have a lot of, uh, kind of on both sides, you know, that, uh, both sides of the aisle, that sort of don't understand that. Uh, they see something that worked and then they immediately try and copy that. But anyway, I think what's going to happen uh, again out here in Arizona is that they're, they're, the Democrats are going to have several people that are going to uh, push. Will they copy Cinema's thing, who who basically tried to paint herself as this very moderate person? Uh, or will they sort of go uh, the other route, where they're going to try and out-liberal the liberals? They're going to try and out-left the left because they think, oh, that's, that's what my main base, who's going to come out and vote for me, you know, a Republican isn't going to vote for me. Uh, because, you know, so I, I got to appeal to the Democrats. So are they going to go uh, all in on gun control issues, things like that? It seems that they a lot of times they overestimate the power of that. Um, and, and what we've seen here too in Arizona is the, the political face is changing now in the state house and stuff where a lot of our laws are going to come from we st- there's still a Republican majority which is good for guns it's bad for other things but it's good for guns but I think that over time what's happening is, is we're getting a lot of people from California that are coming out here because they are they're tired of some of the politics and I'll, I'll use that word some of the politics in that I think they still want a lot of that social stuff and there's uh, there's still a lot of them that are coming out that are lefty liberals and but they're tired of being taxed well you can't have all these social welfare projects and all these social things that money's got to come from somewhere and so, uh, you know, you had all these people that flocked to that state in, in the in years past because you could sort of get on the dole and you, you, you could uh, be taken care of. Well, now all that money's running out. And, and where do you get that money? Well, you have to start taxing the people that are working. You have to start doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, people don't want that. So... It's going to be interesting to see what Arizona will be like in the next 20 years. Well, hey guys, I've arrived at my destination, so I will talk to you again, pick up here in a couple of seconds. Hey everybody, what is going on? You got Time Warp. Today is Friday. It is the 18th of January, 2018. So it has been quite a while since my last recording that I did in the truck. I'm, I'm in the truck once again. It's been about 20 days for me, even though it's only been probably about five seconds for you. So, and that's why I played a little bit of music, just to give it a, a little bit of a clear defining cut. For me, the holidays, while in some ways were fun, but I spent most of both holidays, Christmas and New Year's, sick as a dog. I got over my initial sickness, had about a week of wellness, and then promptly got sick again. Uh, out here in Arizona right now, colds and flu and all sorts of stuff are just going like crazy. Also, let me give you a little bit of behind the scenes thing. Like I said, I am in the truck. I'm in a neighborhood. We are. I'm waiting on my daughter to get out of one of her music lessons, and so there's cars and there's some kids that are outside playing relatively close to the truck. So you may hear those guys. You may not. I don't know how how well the, the uh, microphone on the iPhone will pick that stuff up. But anyway, let's go ahead and I'll pick up kind of from where I left off last, well, a few seconds ago for you, but 20 days ago for me. And talking about a little bit of the political stuff. 
I thought there might be a little bit of backlash with McSally being appointed, even though she lost. But she wasn't even a blip on anybody's radar. And I think there are just so many other things that are going on politically that are so out outside the norm. You have people on the Democratic side that have been elected, and uh, what's her name, uh, Alexandria Ignacio Cortez, something like that. I, I, that's probably not how you pronounce it, but anyway, you have her, and she is just saying all sorts of crazy things. And well, I you know I shouldn't even say crazy. She's just saying a lot of things that are inaccurate. And they're not really backed up by anything. Uh, you know, she recently had that thing where she's saying that you know people, it's better for them to feel sort of morally superior than it is to be factually correct. And I think without her really intending it, that is the mindset of a lot of people in this country today. And to be fair, that is a, a mindset that is on both sides. Oh, um, let me say one. I'll take another quick aside here. I am at the tail end of my most recent sickness, so my voice isn't as robust, and it kind of fades off a little bit here sometimes, and it kind of breaks and cracks. So uh, I apologize for that. Uh, you may hear me take a drink. I don't know if I'll leave them in or edit them out, but uh, anyway. Like I had said, I thought maybe McSally would uh, would kind of raise some ire on there on the on the opposite side, or just as a, as a kind of an interesting story. In that, you know, you had someone that sort of lost their election, and they kind of get brought in anyway. But I don't know. I guess with people like Cortez and with people like Trump in office, those people are such lightning rods that it seems that. What I had brought up in a in a previous show about if you're going to mess up or if you're going to do something kind of oddball, now's the time to do it because you have Trump, who's a huge lightning rod. And then you have on the opposite side, you have people like Beto Perez or no, what's his Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> Beto Perez was a dude I used to work with back in the day. Nice guy, by the way. Anyway, um, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, out in Texas, you know, is always doing a lot of kind of kind of oddball, wacky stuff. And then you have uh, Trump, who's always doing kind of lots of oddball, wacky stuff. And then you have Cortez, who's doing lots of oddball, wacky stuff. So a lot of the uh, the the things that would maybe get people kind of called to the carpet, and, and they still are for the most part, but things where I think that would would garner more attention just doesn't. And this can be a good thing, and this can be kind of a bad thing. Hey, my friends, guess what? You got time warped again. It's uh, about 10 days later, so it's the 28th of January, 2019. I guess I should entitle this show The Time Warp or something like that, or the Doctor Who episode. Jumping in the TARDIS and flying around all over the place. Anyway, I will finish up my points on some of the political stuff. Basically, what I was saying was that with all these lightning rods, so with people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I think that's I think that's her name, and guys like uh, O'Rourke and guys like uh, um, what's his name Cory Booker, Camilla Harris, and then you have a bunch of people on the Republican side that are doing kind of goofy stuff. But you know the main lightning rod over there, like I was saying before, is Trump. And if you are going to have some type of a scandal, if you're going to have some some type of a screw up, if you're a politician, kind of now's the time to do it, as long as it's not too big. Because you're going to go out of the news cycle so fast because either Trump or Cortez or one of these other jokers is going to do 
or say something that kind of goes beyond the pale, that goes beyond reasonableness. So it will be a very, very interesting thing. One of the things that has sort of changed a little bit or maybe evolved a little bit is everybody now on the Democratic side is saying that they're getting ready to run. Everybody's sort of announcing. And you have some people that clearly do not have a chance. And a lot of people are asking, well, why in the world would this person run? Why do they think that they have a chance? They have to know that they're not going to sort of rise to the top. And you could, you could probably make the argument that some of them are maybe a little delusional. And I don't even know if that's the right phrase. Maybe they have been sort of ego-stroked, if that's maybe a proper phrase or, or, or something that kind of conveys my point, meaning that they're surrounded by so many people who are telling them, hey, you've got a chance. These polls are showing that this, that, and the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. So maybe there are some that are a little bit deluded, especially if they have been in politics for the last 10, 15 years, and they have been surrounded by people that are constantly telling them what they want to hear, sort of like the emperor has no clothes type thing. So I guess there'll be, you know, maybe some, there is some of that. So you, you probably have a small percentage of them that think, well, hey, if, if Trump can win, why not me? And they don't understand, well, Trump is sort of that anomaly. Trump is a like him, hate him, you know, apathetic towards him, you know, whatever. You have to admit that he is able to do certain things that other people just would not be able to get away with or pull off or, you know, however you want to say it. But then I think that there is another sort of side to that coin. So you have the people that maybe truly believe, yeah, I've got an actual legit shot. But most of them will have these PAC funds and most of them will have other groups and committees and that raise all this money. And a lot of times what happens is that is a way for that person who is running, especially if they're kind of an established politician already, especially in the federal level, or, or maybe they're a governor who is going to try and run. Even if they think, hey, I don't really have a chance, but guess what? Here's what I can do. I can make a boatload of money. I can borrow against my campaign. I can do all these things that are legal for me to do, and I will be able to make money. Or maybe a family member of mine is going to be able to make money. Maybe I can hire my wife as the executive director of fundraising, and I'll pay her $100,000. Well, that goes right into his pocket. Yeah, it goes through his wife, or maybe it goes through his brother. Maybe it goes through a, a cousin or a good friend of his that he hires or she hires. And so, and then later, they will repay that person in kind. Maybe they give him a, a information on... Uh, certain stock stuff. And, you know, we've talked about before on the show that a lot of these guys, when they when they passed the Stock Act a few, what was it, three, four years ago, something like that, which basically said they couldn't benefit from insider trading. And what they did is they slowly over the next two years sort of killed that thing off. It's still kind of out there somewhere, but it's so, it's toothless now. And it has though, uh, there's really nothing that you could do to those guys, even if they were kind of caught blatantly doing insider trading stuff, which, you know, happens all the time. So, you know, a lot of these guys, they get rich because they, they have the inside track and they can invest in companies or they know who's going to be appointed to a certain, to a certain position. You, you know, you have a guy from Monsanto or you have a guy from Boeing or you have a guy from Quaker Oats or whoever, or a guy from big companies like nowadays, like Google and Amazon. Maybe that person is going to get an advisory position. He does that for a couple of years, rolls out. And then when this politician leaves, he is brought on as a consultant. He doesn't really do anything or she doesn't really do too much. And they, you know, make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year for pretty much doing nothing. A couple of years goes by, eh, you know, and they kind of say, oh, it's time for me to move on. 
So basically they were just given their kickback or their bribe through that. So anyway, kind of a little bit of a digression there, but that's sort of my opinion on why you have some of these people that are throwing their hat in a ring when they they understand and they know that they are not going to have a successful bid at being president of the United States. So let's talk a little bit about what do I think is going to happen in the next couple of years as far as gun rights and new legislation or loosening of of uh, prior prior laws, that type of thing. So uh, when we look at things like uh, if we're talking about loosening, maybe there are is a lessening on the places where you can go if you have a concealed carry permit, or maybe your state goes to constitutional carry, still keeps a permitting system, but goes to constitutional carry, that stuff passes. I don't know from the federal level how much we are going to see. And I, I've mentioned this, and I'll probably mention this over and over and over, they had two years where they basically controlled everything and they did nothing for us as gun owners. They could have got the hearing protection bill passed and they could have gotten, they could have pushed it through if they wanted to. They probably could have gotten uh, nationwide reciprocity as far as for concealed carry. Now, I don't think it would have been a thing of if you've got a, a concealed carry permit, it, you're, you're, you're golden everywhere. I think it probably would have been a thing where they say, here is this federal program and here are the restrictions that you have to meet and here are the things that will go across. So it could have been maybe you have to take a 40-hour class. Maybe you have to pass certain tests. Maybe you have to get a certain thing. Maybe you have to show a certain proficiency. All that stuff, the majority of us could do without a problem. You know, who knows, would they make it uh, relatively expensive? I don't know. I think had the Republicans pushed it through, probably not. But I think what they could have done is they could have gotten it through and then they also could have used it if we're talking purely from a, a political outlook here. They could have used it for, hey, you do this for me, we'll do this for you. So it's, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing. And people don't like to talk about or think about that stuff. And they think maybe some of that thing, some of that type of thing is immoral. And it probably is. But look, that's the way that that stuff gets done up there. So I do think that we could have had something like that. I think now what we are seeing now is some of those bills are getting reintroduced. They're not going to go anywhere. And the reason that I think they're going to, you're going to see some of these guys on the, on the Republican side, on the right side are going to really try and push this stuff and get it, try and get it going through as they can say, well, Hey, I fought the good fight. I did this. I tried to get it through. And it will look good on paper, but, and the vast majority of people will kind of fall for that smoke and mirror stuff. And again, I've talked about before, there is just as much smoke and mirrors on the left as there is on the right. They are interchangeable when it comes to that stuff. So let's, let's switch over and let's talk a little bit, maybe about some gun stuff. SHOT Show recently came to a close. You know, it's a funny thing about SHOT. I would like to go and maybe, I don't know, maybe next year or the year after, I'll go just to, to kind of do it once. But I don't know how much appeal it's going to have. I suppose if I could meet up with some friends or something like that up there, it would be fine. Um, but it would be interesting to see. I have gone to an NRA show. I've, I've done some things like that. I don't know that I would ever go back to an NRA show. It was, again, kind of fun to do that, and I met up with some people, uh, some friends of mine, uh, actually fellow podcaster from way back in the day, old Eric Shelton, so I met up with him. I don't even know whatever happened to that guy. Hopefully he's living a happy, peaceful life. Anyway, I digress. But I would like to go to SHOT Show just to, just to have the experience of it. But speaking of that, there were a couple of things there that intrigued me, and I don't know that I would ever buy these things. I might buy one of them just because there is not so, 
outlandishly priced. And I would, what I might try and do would be to get it on the used market. So anyway, I think it's called Standard Manufacturing. They had a, and it's been this one's been out I think since 2015, maybe. This when it first came out. I I could be wrong on that. But they had a thing, and it was a double barrel pump shotgun. And the way that it worked is you had these two, you had your two magazine tubes, and they each held, I believe, seven. So you could have 14 rounds loaded. And if you wanted to, you could top it off to where you'd had 16. So you have two in both chambers. And the way that it worked is you'll pump the rounds in. It's it's set up sort of more AR-15-like in that, you know, you've got the uh, similar safety to an AR-15. But the way that it works is once you have your both rounds in the chambers and in, in the in the barrels, you'll pull the trigger, it fires the right barrel, and then you'll do a second trigger pull and it fires the left, and then you pump. And they showed some guys doing it, and it does, it does sort of a rear eject where if it will probably hit whatever hand is holding the pistol grip a little bit as those shells eject. And I think you'd probably be okay. I don't know how much force they come out. I've never shot one, never even held one. But it was an intriguing thing. And I thought, and it's it, it's kind of, it looks like it's relatively big. And it's probably relatively heavy. But I had thought, you know, something that, that might be something that would be really, really good for home defense for a shotgun. I, I don't know how quickly you could reload it. However, if you had 16 rounds of 12 gauge buck and maybe intermingled in there somewhere as slugs. I don't know with that type of thing. I don't know that necessarily I would do that. I know some people will run, they would, they would put in like buckshot, buckshot, and then they'll do slug, slug, and then go back to buckshot. So you could probably do something like that relatively easy. The first two you would put in would be buckshot. So you would have two rounds of buckshot, boom, boom. And then you could have two slugs, boom, boom. So I don't know. It it is intriguing. I like the concept of it, especially for home. De- excuse me, home defense, especially if you were barricaded, sort of in your in your room. It would give you basically two quick shots. So it kind of gives you, not necessarily semi-auto type stuff, but. It does give you again those first two boom boom, and then you you pump it, and then you could boom, you could shoot again boom boom, and you can get those shots off relatively quick from what I've seen people doing. So anyway, the other thing was also by Standard, and it was their little twenty two Magnum revolver, where you have eight rounds total, and then you can shoot two barrels at the same time with one trigger pull. So you've got four, excuse me, four trigger pulls shooting a total of eight rounds, which I am very intrigued by. It is a little bit different design. It has, it's designed to where you have your index and middle finger both on the trigger. It has an open kind of trigger guard. It's got like a, which I didn't understand really why they didn't do even maybe like a big loop type thing or or make it a little bit different. So that and that's that's the one where I would would wouldn't mind buying that. Now the shotgun, like I said, I'm intrigued by it. I don't think I would ever buy it. I would love to shoot it one day, but uh, anyway, uh, I think that one costs around thirteen hundred dollars. I think so. It's it is. They're very proud of that thing. It's not it's not cheap. And the little pistol, I think it costs three. Is it three sixty nine or is it two? No, it's three sixty nine. I think. So I thought, you know, for that price, especially if I could get it used, if I could get it for maybe, you know, $320 or something like that on the used market or right around $300, it would be be a fun kind of range thing. And supposedly the idea behind it was this would be a firearm that would be for sort of up-close work. So, and it's it's in in, uh, 22 Magnum. So it is something where you're not going to do long-distance shooting with it. but it would be something where almost as either a backup or it would it would be designed for the person maybe who who doesn't have a lot of hand strength and they can use two fingers on it it's probably something i don't know as far as carry i i guess it you could press it into service um so anyway 
It is time now for me to pick up the kiddo. Give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. I am uh, outside her school waiting for her to get done with some of her drama practice. So anyway, I think what I am going to do is I am going to call the show to a close. There we go. Just so that I can get this edited and get it out for you guys. Uh, So I apologize about kind of fading off a little bit in December, but I did want to put something out here in before January gets over. So, all right, my friends, I will talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, you got tricked a little bit. I know I said I was signing off. However, I did not have access to this feedback when I was in the truck. And since I'm back home now, I wanted to go ahead and read out an email that Dan in Philadelphia sent. So let's go ahead and do that. Now, before we do that, I I had, uh, let's see, the last show was what, the 16th of December, I believe. And Dan had sent this in on the 18th of December. So apologies for taking so long. A little bit of a mea culpa there. So hopefully you forgive me, Dan. Hopefully you're still listening. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump in. So Dan states, as I am writing this an hour ago, Trump passed the edict that bump stocks are illegal. Owners have 90 days to turn in or destroy or face the same consequences that being caught with an unstamped full auto firearm would bring. Also this week, Rob Pincus has been getting flack for criticizing New Jersey gun owners who now face a 10 round magazine limit for their quote civil disobedience, close quote saying that it is not actually civil disobedience. Not turning in your magazines is just being a criminal. So what is civil disobedience? Is it keeping your property buried away in the backyard and not handing it over? What type, or excuse me, that type of civil disobedience seems to accomplish the same thing that the government would like, taking property out of circulation. Is civil disobedience going about our normal activities, ignoring these new laws? Should we continue to take the bump stocks to the range and take 11-plus round magazines to the shooting range in New Jersey? Should shooting ranges encourage people to bring in their now, quote, illegal, close quote, devices with a don't-ask, don't-tell policy, allowing them to exercise their natural human rights without fear of being turned in by the range officers? How can we help gun owners who want to participate in active civil disobedience stay protected and out of jail? How can we reward gun owners who do practice active civil disobedience and facilities who encourage active civil disobedience? Would love your thoughts, Dan in Philadelphia. All right, Dan, a lot of good stuff there. Let's talk about kind of the bump stock thing. I oppose that. I think it it leaves the door open or, or I guess I should say starts to open the door on other things. And if you get somebody in the uh, Oval Office or if uh, the lawmakers go way Democrat or way radicalized where they're saying, well, because you can in theory fire, uh, bump, excuse me, bump fire any semi-automatic rifle just by using your finger in your belt loop, there are they are now all classified as machine guns and either you've got to register them or you've got to turn them in you know that type of thing so hopefully the courts will maybe strike this thing down hopefully it'll go our way it'll be interesting to see how that happens like i said i am against it but right now i think we're sort of doing the correct uh, taking the correct action i guess on those matters so Let's kind of move on and let's talk a little bit about the civil disobedience thing. And I can understand a little bit of Rob's point when he says if you're if you're not turning them in and you're just sort of hiding them in your house because the government has no way of knowing who has what because none of those magazines were registered, you're you're not really engaging in civil disobedience. And, and from his standpoint, he would say that you are committing maybe a criminal act. Now, some people would say, well, yeah, that's maybe the, the literal definition of civil disobedience. If we, if we did, that would be true. But by doing that, if you maybe look more at the spirit of what civil disobedience is and not just the letter of the definition, is that the person who was keeping their property 
and saying, I'm not going to turn it in. And at the same time, not notifying the authorities, Hey, I have this and I'm not turning it in that, that would, that would act, that would uh, qualify as civil disobedience. And they could, they could make the point, And I think validly so that, well, if I turn this in, they're going, they're not just going to put it in a warehouse. They're going to destroy it. So I'll never, and if, and if the ruling gets changed or the law gets changed, I'll never get that particular bit of property back. So I'll just be out. So I guess what we should probably talk about is what is maybe the, the mainstream, for lack of a better term, definition of civil disobedience. And basically, to fall under the definition, civil disobedience is usually agreed to be sort of active and professed refusal of the citizenry to obey either law, certain laws, or in this case, let's say with like the bump stock, certain um, edicts that have been handed down sort of by the, uh, by the government. It could also go to, again, with demands or orders of the government, meaning that, that um, if they're telling you or demanding that you have to turn these in, you have to do this and you don't, then you're, you're kind of falling under that thing of that term of civil disobedience. It also has to do a little bit when you think that your government is legitimate, that generally they have sort of, they're, they're following sort of the rules, uh, the rule of law, I guess, that type of thing. Some people would say, and again, like we had, I had, just mentioned that, well, if you're not turning that stuff in, you're still engaging in civil disobedience. I would tend to probably go more toward the latter in that I think that under the sort of the spirit of the, of the, of the definition, you are engaging in civil disobedience. So I would probably in one hand agree with Pincus and another hand, I would disagree. And some people would say, well, maybe it's just, uh, interpretation type thing. Uh, so, so I don't know. And I, I, you know, even as I'm sort of talking this out and kind of working this out, I guess, you know, I don't know, technically if I had to, if I had to come down on one side or the other, I would probably come down more on the spirit. So I would probably come down more on if you had those magazines and they're demanding that you turn them in and you don't, I think you are engaging in civil disobedience. And that's, that's kind of my two cents on there. Now, one thing that I would maybe kind of a little bit disagree with you on this, Dan, is when you're saying that we were talking about, oh, if you, uh, if you take your property out of circulation, uh, when you said something like, so is, is keeping your property buried in the backyard, is that, are you, are, are you then accomplishing what the government wants you to accomplish? And maybe on some level you are, however, you still have that property. And again, remember the demand is that you turn those things in. It's not that, oh, you can, you can keep them and keep them as collector's items. It's no, it's like, you've got to turn that stuff in. So uh, again, if we look at the bump stocks, 90 days, you got to turn in or destroy it. And I, I don't know how you would prove to them that you destroyed it. Again, I don't know how they would know whether you had one or not. Uh, but anyway, I, I still think doing that, you would, you're, you're not, maybe you're kind of meeting the government halfway if you wanted to, if you kind of, to your point, I guess, Dan, is, yeah, that stuff maybe wouldn't be in circulation. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't take those magazines down to the gun range or your bump stock to the gun range, but you would still have it. Under, again, we're, and we're going to kind of jump back and forth here with Pincus. He would say, well, what you would need to do is go down to the gun range and you would take your any, your magazines that hold over 10 rounds and you would take your bump stock and you would use them and you would not hold any ill will toward whatever range you went to. 
if they called the police and then you got arrested for it because then you would be engaging in active, nonviolent civil disobedience. And if everybody was doing that, and if everybody, or if everybody, um, well, before I jump off, if everybody was doing that, you would start then to, it would be a form of airing your grievance toward the government and saying that we're not going to comply with everything and this needs to be changed. Or if it, if it's not changed, we're going to vote you out of office and we're going to put somebody in there who will reverse this stuff. So again, you're doing that to show that there are enough, uh, there's enough of the citizenry that can affect change to get the government to say, oh, okay, we understand that we're supposed to be the servants of the people and this is what you guys want. And so, and, and also it's in compliance with um, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, and the spirit of the Second Amendment. So another form of maybe kind of active, nonviolent uh, civil disobedience would be if several people marched on the Capitol. And by this you would have maybe 10 to 20,000 people come down there and they all have a magazine. They all have, or they, some of them have a bump stock. Some of them, again, just have the magazines with them. Again, in, I, from my understanding, just having those mags, that the, anything that's over 10 rounds, I think would be illegal. So you could engage in active civil disobedience by going down there, being willing to be arrested if that happened. And, the, the sheer numbers of citizenry would, would, in effect, overwhelm the ability of the government to arrest all those people. There's no way they're going to be able to arrest 20,000 people at once. It's just it's, it's not going to happen. So at that point, they would probably tell everybody to disperse, go home, and then the government would say, well, you know, we've got a real problem on our hand if 20,000 people are coming out. Because of, of those 20,000 people, there are going to be maybe another... 40 or 50,000 that are going to support them, but they just didn't come out. And so that can cost me the election next time. And so, you know, we need to, again, kind of concede to their demands, that type of thing. So, um, as far as you were talking about, um, should gun ranges, shooting ranges, encourage people to, bring those things in. I would probably say, uh, unless it was part of an organized protest, I would probably say no. I think the first thing that would happen is those shooting ranges would be immediately shut down. And so you would sort of be giving up. You're kind of, at that point, you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face type deal. As far as how we could reward uh, gun owners or or uh, facilities who encourage again active civil disobedience would probably be to try and do uh, do like GoFundMe or 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 uh, have legal funds for them to to fight their what we would consider to be their unjust arrest or unjust imprisonment that time that type of thing. So, all right, for reals now we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Let me know what you think on this. I'd be interested to hear it, whether you agree with me or disagree or have some other points you want to make about or you think I'm uh, I'm all wrong on what, what civil disobedience really means. If you think Rob Pincus is right, if you think he's wrong, if you think Dan's right or wrong on this stuff, what do you think about the old bump stock things? And you can either... Call up the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731, or you can send an email or an audio that you've uh, audio file that you've recorded, and you can send that to me at firearmscafe at protonmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All right. Like I said, for reals, for reals, I will talk to you guys next time.
I'm not gonna get 